0: Hi and welcome to the Boat Princess Podcast. My name is Nikki Vo and I'm your host. I am a boat owner, a marina owner, a director on the Marina Industries Association and a huge advocate for boating. In this series, I'm sharing the stories from every nook of the boating industry with the intention of encouraging more women to join me and for more women to get behind the helm too. I want to share the experience and opportunities of boating, of the boating industry and I want you to join me as I bring the conversations and answer all the questions you've had. Boating is not just for the glamorous and rich and famous. It's full of beautiful and interesting people making the most of our natural environment and getting out there, enjoying the waterways. So let's set off the lines, take over the helm and escape to the world of boating. Hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Boat Princess podcast. I have a firecracker of a woman in front of me at the moment. She is Monica LaMagic. Isn't that a great name? See, I would have said LaMagic or something like this, but she says LaMagic, and I'll let her explain that. Um, she is the Maritime Asset Manager at Transport for New South Wales. Welcome, Monica.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we were just having a giggle about people, what people do with your name, with your La Magic name. What do they say?
1: People often ask me if I'm a French magician. <laughs> I mean, it's just
0: <laughs> terrible, isn't it?
1: It is, and it does. It happens quite regularly as well. <laughs> sometimes I say yes, sometimes I say no.
0: <laughs> so, peeps, if you're listening to this and you meet Monica in the, the hallway, please don't ask her if she's a friend's magician. <laughs> but oh where do. does the name origin from?
1: Um, my family, my dad is Serbian. Okay. From Serbia, so it's pronounced H, But? As we joked around, we're from Australia. <laughs> It's a little magic.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes I get Nicola Vox, um. and it's Nicola Vo. So you know, <laughs> the uh, the Australians aren't fantastic with uh, uh, foreign names, are mm. they? Yeah.
1: But as a multicultural nation, you think? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's okay>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's, an, it's a it's 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 a thing in yeah. Australia. Stress. Yes, yeah, we love Australia. So, um, maritime asset manager at Transport for New South Wales. What does that mean? That role? Well, to
1: um, I laugh because sometimes I ask myself that every day. <laughs> <laughs> so it So I'm the senior manager. So I have four streams under me. So I have coastal infrastructure, wharves, aids to navigation, and fleet. So I'm responsible for making sure all the maritime assets within those portfolios are fit for purpose and safe for community, safe for our team, safe for everyone really. Okay.
0: All right. So give me an example um, of um, a day for you sort of dealing with one of those assets. So one of the um, mobile assets, for example.
1: Every day, every moment (laughs) is different. It depends on the hour. So... Um, I could be looking, I could be helping the aids to navigation manager who we just saw in the hallway. He, um, I, I could be helping him with lighthouses. Okay. So he's working on lighthouse upgrades and because they have a lot of heritage elements, I've been working with him on creating project plans and and how we work around preventative maintenance, how we're creating future plans. So a lot of our assets are 50 to 100-year life cycles, whereas, I, whereas a lighthouse is a forever life cycle. Yep. Um, fleet, we're looking at vessel maintenance contracts. So, getting a statewide contract to make sure all the all the vessel maintenance is standard, and everything's to class to survey, whatever it needs to be. Wharves, so all the ferry wharves come to our portfolio. So, we're often making sure that they're clean. There's no like the amount of conversations I have about fish guts on chairs is ridiculous. <laughs> Fair <laughs> it's, enough. It's not all high level of. How is the preventative maintenance regime going? Sometimes it could be fish guts, yes, <laughs> literally, <laughs> fish guts on the <laughs> walls. Um, or there's also coastal infrastructure. So we're looking at breakwater, seawalls, regional areas, yep. harbours, looking at the lot, just making sure preventative maintenance is there and correct. any corrective maintenance is adhered to quickly.
0: So you're covering the whole of New South Wales for that?
1: Yeah, the whole of New South Wales. There's, wow. At the moment, so we're going through all the registers, but there's around 9,000 parent assets So that if I break down the difference between parent and child, so on a boat, you have the boat, that's the parent asset, but within within the boat you have engines, you could have a crane, you could have Jaren radios or you could have a trailer that's associated with that. So we're just talking about the parent asset, so just the boat itself. There's 9,000 of them. Gosh,
0: that's huge. Because just to explain those that don't know Australia, which is a magnificent country I have to say, I'm a little bit biased, but it is. New South Wales is approximately uh, five England's oh wow yes so in size so that is the sort of volume of space we're talking about here and that's the volume of assets we're talking about here so um, yeah that's it's a that's a big responsibility Monica.
1: yes but yes. uh, we have a good team here that we're working th- we work through it yeah you know and sometimes when the fish guts become top of my list I'm kind of like, <laughs> Or the rubbish bin is overflowing. I'm like, (laughs) um, and if I know you can't, everyone can't see me, but I'm like pretty much one hand on the temple going, (laughs) really guys, can someone just deal with this? (laughs) We have contracts. We have cleaners to do this.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And and dealing with that many vessels, I mean, my goodness, Um, boats take a lot of maintenance. So that's a big ask to be looking after that number. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It is a big ask, but it's, it's just a job. Like I, as when you, in this, so, cause as an asset manager, you're just used to it. I'm used to just the one moment I'm here, one moment I'm there, it's prioritization of risk. And that's what's most important in my role. So I can't look at 9,000 assets every single day or every single moment. Yeah. You have to prioritize the risk. So what is the largest risk to a human or the environment at that particular point in time? And that's where I focus my attention on. And the risk could be safety, but sometimes it could be financial or reputational or um, we also have, like, legal risks. Yes. We have so many that we just we have to assess it and do our best. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting role to get into. So talking of role to get into, let's explore how you have landed here. So let's go right back to, and you're very young, so it's not a long way back. But let's just go back to your education. Now, I know you went to the University of Tasmania and did the Bachelor of Applied Science in Maritime Studies. Why?
1: Um why? I'm not that young by the way.
0: <laughs> she looks young compared to me. Come
1: I'm I'm 36. <laughs> there you go. 36. There you go. New to 36 everyone. <laughs> 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 it's getting a bit too quick, though. Yeah. I know. Oh, oh,
0: tell me about it. I'm in my fifties. Yeah. Yeah. It gets real quick then.
1: <laughs> so, do you want to? I graduated from the University of Tasmania later on. There was like a lot going on before that.
0: Okay. So let's go yeah. back further then.
1: Let's yeah. go back. So I originally got into naval architecture. Okay. Because. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So when I was in high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. When I left, I actually wanted to be a paediatrician. Okay. And when I was back in my day, when I was in school, you had to go in your 10, you had to go do a work experience. I don't know if kids still do that. I hope yes, they, they do, do because it was great. Yes. And I went to the hospital to be a paediatrician and it was horrendous. People were sick and dying everywhere. Now you think that I would have thought that that was what was going to happen, but I, I struggled with that people weren't naturally sick and naturally dying, it was because of other people's poor choices and that really got to me. Like it got to me that people were sick
0: mm. or
1: children because I was dealing with children mm. but the the part that it was for people's poor choices, which is what really affected me and I just I couldn't do that. I could not do that. So I spent a lot of my um, 20s volunteering with children um, I, I volunteered for an organisation called Cookerbara Kids. I did Big Brother, Big Sister, so just trying to help children who, who um, needed the help really, mm. and that really impacted my time as a work in work experience. Really impacted that, but didn't know what I was going to do. And like I said, back in my day, you had a book of jobs. I suppose that you're saying back in my day. It's not that long then, ago. In well, there was a book. Well, this is when books were a thing. I don't oh, know. gosh.
0: Okay, fair enough. Back and in your day. Yeah. It like
1: Yellow Pages kind of book. Anyway, and it had all the jobs you could possibly do, the schools you could go to, what it required to do those jobs. And I knew I had to go do something with my life. So I got this book and I was flicking through the book with my thumb and I was like, I'm going to be here. And I pointed my finger down on the page and it landed on Naval Architecture. No way. You actually did that. Okay. And so TAFE at the time, TAFE New South Wales. Yes. They had TAFE, Advanced Diplomary Naval Architecture. So I signed up and I started my two-year journey in naval architecture. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, at school anyway. And during my time um, at TAFE, there was an organisation, a large organisation, which wouldn't be hard to find which one, um, came to TAFE and said everyone should apply because we have traineeships. So midway through my advanced diploma, I actually got a four-year traineeship with a very large organization. And so I went to go to Garden Island and work at the Navy base as a naval architecture trainee. Oh, wow. And during my time as a naval architecture trainee, I went on rotation through the dockyard because, like, I could calculate everything. But if you asked me what that actually meant, I'd be like, I don't know. So I had to go into production, and I went into production into the doc master's office, and from there, I started. Doing, I did my um, RINA, my Royal Institute of Naval Architects doc master course, and I got like ninety six percent. Yeah, was like one senior naval architect that got um, more than me, and so uh, the doc master asked me if I want to stay, and then the organisation said to go to university to do my. To do my engineering degree. Okay. Yeah. So I actually was doing naval architecture and I got to do, you know, hydrostatics and hydrodynamics were my thing because I used to do all the docking calculations, all the cradle designs, used to dry dock ships. I became a qualified dock master.
0: Now, dock master can mean different things in marinas. So our yeah. dock master at our marina, for example, is just the I say just they're actually an incredibly important part of our marina because they do so much around the marina. Um, and But that is completely different to the sort of dockmaster you're talking about, right?
1: Yes, I'm talking to about dry docks. So yes. I can take ships, so not boats, ships. I can take boats out of the water too. And then put them back in.
0: By that you're not you don't mean physically lifting I them can. with your hands. I'm pretty strong. You're,
1: you're. <laughs> if if you if people can't see me, I'm five foot one. <laughs> I'm not a big
0: person <laughs> at all. So, so by that you mean driving a piece of equipment that doesn't No,
1: that. I mean so there's a at Gun Island there's a graving dock. Right. Which means so a graving dock is when you separate the land from the ocean and it's below ground level. So oh, a floating wow. dock, you lift the vessel out of the water, a graving yes. dock actually goes below sea level. I think I said ground level before, sorry, below sea level. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so you essentially in a graving dock, you someone, a competent person, yeah. not me, yeah. drives the vessel in, we shut the caisson, so the gate that separates the the ocean from the graving dock and then we pump out and we land the vessel on the blocks
0: Wow! and then
1: to undock it's the other way around you pump the water in the vessel lifts we remove the case on vessel drives out
0: so you are physically doing what tell me what you're doing exactly to achieve that
1: stop move (laughs) so you're Uh, directing i'm the i would be directing at first i was just doing the calculations so designing the cradle and making sure the ship was in the correct condition to dry dock because there's certain stability elements and criteria to enable it to dry dock uh, or I would um, be te- – in my later years I'd be teaching someone how to do that. Yep. But then I, I got a little bit bored with it, which leads me to how I got to, to University of Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't do the engineering degree? I did. You did. I did. I was doing it. But I was, at the time I went to – so, okay, so I was doing engineering when I didn't have an engineering degree and university – a particular university in Sydney didn't take me because my marks weren't there. So I had to go to UTS first and do my mechanical engineering part and then the head teacher of the other university was like, do you know who she is and you're not letting her in? Yeah. And it's because I wasn't getting distinctions because I was working full time and doing because, you know, ship comes in at any hour. Yeah. And you have to be there. Yeah. yeah so the... The head teacher of the naval art department was like, "What are you doing? Yes. Guys, let her in."
0: Yeah, yeah. Isn't it funny how um, sometimes universities say computer says no when yeah. the, the person that they should be taking in is of incredible ability. By the way, you you said a, a little word there that back. We're going to backtrack a bit. You said someone who is competent. Of course, you are incredibly competent in so many oh, areas. So you. you must never say that about yourself. Okay you just don't happen to be the person driving the ship
1: okay that's not my skill
0: the captain of the yeah. ship yeah um but uh i have to say uts nothing wrong with uts i really enjoyed it Brilliant it was more practical. university yeah
1: and when i got to the other university i struggled with it because i learned production so i learned practical application of mathematics yes and so i really struggled to do it their way and so i used to lose a lot of marks and i'd be just you know encroaching 50 percent because i'd do it the way that. When I was in real life, how I do it, yes, and not doing the maths that the engineer was like, no, you have to do these two-page calculations. I'm like, but you could just do it like this,
0: yes, yeah. <laughs> and so
1: I struggled a lot at university.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of UTS because they say they t- to me they take a more modern, practical approach, um, which I think in the real working world is incredibly useful.
1: Yeah, I was getting credits distinctions. Mm. When I went to the other university, I was not getting... I was barely passing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was...
0: Traditional theoretical base. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So naval architecture, doing incredible things on Garden Island with the Navy and um, obviously illustrating for everyone your incredible competency and your ability and your intelligence as well at this point. Um, You then decide to go to uni at Tasman in Tasmania because that as I understand is the only university in Australia that specializes in that area is that right
1: it, it is now but back back in my day <laughs> it was not there was another university in in Sydney that also did it okay but they didn't have the the people going so it ended up disbanding and now it's all in Tasmania
0: okay so Tasmania specialises in maritime studies. Yeah. So you went there to do your Bachelor of Applied Science yeah, in so maritime services. After, but all, you already had an engineering graph, degree when you well, went there. After a
1: while, I got extremely. I wasn't complacent, but I was starting to be like, "Just fill the tank." Why are we still talking about this? Come on! And I didn't have to do the calculations by hand. I started to do them in my head and be like, "Tank one, two, three, four, five. Start filling." Yeah. Fill it up to 80%. That one to, And I, I was worried that I was getting stale and I didn't want to go back to the design office and I was at that point where I had to decide so every technical engineer person will face this or probably every industry will face this. There's a point where do you stick with operations, do you stick with your, your subject matter expert or do you go into management? Yeah. And I had to make that decision. So I decided to do my Bachelor of Applied Science as a major in maritime management. So I didn't have to do any of my engineering portion. All I had to do was the applied, uh, sorry, the management part and that mean, meant that I could stay in Sydney. So I didn't actually go to Tasmania. I did it online. Oh, okay. So Tassie was ahead of its time yeah. and actually had online
0: portions of their, some of their degrees at that time. Go Tassie. Yeah. Yeah. And so... You had achieved your engineering degree; you had that in the bag, or you were still doing that still as well. Still doing it as well. Okay. But I, the, to get this applied sciences
1: degree, I only had to do the first. So I did three years before I started expanding. Okay. Yeah, I just was. I was like, "Is this really what I want to do with myself?" <laughs> and I just, I don't know, because I, I was like putting it on hold and then doing some. Courses over in the Tassie bucket and some courses in the engineering bucket. I was flicker-flackering for a a while for a number of years. Yeah. And then when I graduated, I actually got the opportunity to go to Copenhagen Business School. Yes, I saw that.
0: What was that about?
1: Randomly, the universe, I don't know what it was, but randomly, when I graduated, I got an email from Copenhagen Business School. And it was a two-day course on or three-day course on the nec- dex- next decade of shipping and how that was going to affect our industry. And so <laughs> I was, you know, because I was like coming off Dockmaster, you know, flick-flacking around as I was on the, trying to figure out, am I going to go into project management? What am I going to do? And my brother was living overseas and I hadn't seen him in a couple of years here and I was like, you know what, I'm going to Copenhagen to do this course. So I went up and went to Copenhagen to do this two-day course and stop in to see my brother in France. And while I was there, they offered me a position at Copenhagen Business School to do the executive MBA in um, shipping and logistics, which if you Copenhagen Business School is one of the best business schools in the world, so it was pretty yeah. prestigious. And again, call this the universe. The day I came back from my leave, I bumped into the CEO and he goes, how was, uh, how was Copenhagen? I was like, oh, you wouldn't believe it. They offered me a position in the in the MBA because I think you should apply for the organisation to support you. And I was like, oh, it's a bit of a. <laughs> I was like talking him out of it. I was like, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's it it's like not like my uni marks were great, you know. I was credit. It's it's
0: a bit of a stretch. It's in Copenhagen. Isn't it funny? A man would never say that. He was a really good CEO. Yeah. No, he no, no. A- I mean you you, oh. you said that. Oh, well, I'm not sure. I didn't get, you know, as high marks as I should, blah, blah, blah. Have you ever heard a man say that? Probably not. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's something we do. We're terrible. So um, the C- that was the CEO of? Talos Australia. Okay.
1: So I'd been at Talos for 14 years. I'd been on the island for? Well, at that point I would have been
0: on the island for like 11 years. So tell us, explain the difference between TALUS and the Navy. Is there a difference? Uh, TALUS is a prime contractor okay, to the Navy. Got you.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So, so it, we don't
1: have to necessarily work on Navy ships. I can work on any ship.
0: Got you. Yeah. Okay. So Okay. So that's a private corporation company? Yeah. Got you. Okay. So he says i think you should try and get the company to support you in that yeah you sort of doubt yourself in that for a moment but then you obviously came good on that because you did it I so did it. so how did you how did that happen it
1: took a lot of convincing it wasn't just a two minute convincing because i also had to weigh up my life my personal life did it because it was an executive mba yeah which means so an mba you do full time Executive MBA went over a number of years and I had to fly back and forth between Sydney and Australia, Australia. (laughs) between Sydney and Copenhagen for for a number of years. And so that was quite a commitment. Yeah. And it was quite taxing actually. But I ended up just going, you know what, I'll just apply, see what happens. And I I ended up getting it obviously. Yeah. And so I went and I didn't ask any more questions. (laughs) I just... Packed up, got a number of scarves and jackets, and off I went yeah. to Copenhagen, back and forth, two years.
0: Wow. So how was it for you looking, living in that completely different culture for a little while there? How was that? I almost got hit by cars every day.
1: <laughs> uh, my bank card, the amount of times it got cancelled, like blocked. Yeah. <laughs> people used to look at me and people used to, if I'd be talking in a group because we'd uh, have to go to a lot of organisations and people would be like, don't worry, she's Australian. <laughs> What does that mean? Does I'm that standing mean? right here. <laughs> yes.
0: What did that mean?
1: <laughs> well, I think they just meant if I'm a maybe I was a bit quirky. Yes. And so, don't worry, she's just she's Australian. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> or they didn't always, especially when I first got off the plane, they didn't understand what I was saying because it was tired and be like, blah <laughs> blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. So they, I slowed down quite a bit. I didn't speak as you know how we we have a lot of slang or yes. the way we speak is a bit different. Arvo's I had to get rid of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because
1: nobody understood what I was saying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So you're doing the executive MBA, you're flying back and forth doing that. Yeah. Um you're still working, you're not working. Still working full time. Still working full time. Okay. That's full on.
1: Yeah. And then trying to live when I'm in Australia. Yes. And I had, so we every time I went we had to do modules and then we came back and we had to do the homework.
0: Gosh. Yeah. That's full on. So busy part of your life. How old were you then? Do you remember? Uh,
1: I was, so I graduated in 2019 so I was. Oh, not long ago. No, it wasn't that long ago.
0: Okay. So full on. Yeah. And um why did you do the mba what what did you feel that would give you the advantage of um
1: i just i have a big passion for maritime and the bigger picture the bigger thinking so when i went to copenhagen to do that short course and it was about the next decade of shipping and we were learning a lot just about big ticket items like sustainability corporate social responsibilities like we we're talking about really big stuff and things that inspired me to be better and to be bring back to Australia. Yeah. And that's why I was like you know what no I think this is a really good idea. I didn't know where it was going to take me necessarily but I knew the good things were going to come from it. Yeah. And that's why I just was like oh, go with my gut. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. And did you make some amazing connections over there that you've oh, stayed in touch with?
1: Best friends for life. I, I've The people, the caliber of people that were in this particular course is amazing. So as, because it's an executive MBA, you need a certain amount of time in management roles to be able to be accepted into this course. Yes. And so there's CEOs, captains, so, but they were like so, not that CEOs and captains aren't good people, but they were so down to earth and just sharing knowledge. Like we have a group chat and we all still talk and anytime someone's in someone's country, they let them know and everyone shares photos. Just it was an amazing two years because it was an international school as well. So everyone was—I lived the furthest, obviously—but everyone was coming from all over the world. Someone came from China,
0: yeah, yeah. So all Singapore, over. yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's something lovely about our industry. There are some, whilst it um, can be different in each country, there are an extreme amount of similarities in every country as well. So we've all got. You know, those of us that have those international connections in the space, it's really lovely to, to have that and to, um, you know, we know marina owners all over the world, and it's it's, it's so lovely, and they're all such great people, and it's um we all get to enjoy that connection throughout, and, and you know this this wonderful world we live in where we can just message each other in WhatsApp and all those sorts of things, and and the other thing that happens is, some of my connections end up meeting some of my other connections and then they send me a photo of both of them together. Well, that's go, so nice. Hey, look who I met and they know that I'm going to go, oh, my God, I'm so glad you guys met, you know. So um, it's, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that. Mm.
1: What's really cool is because there's an alumni for our particular course, the, um, they call it the Blue MBA. And so there's been a couple of times when people who haven't graduated in my year but they've still come over or they've still reached out. So even that connection has been really good.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <gasps> okay, so you're working with Thales is how yep. we pronounce it, isn't it? Because it's spelt T-H-A-L-E-S. It's rich. So ah, Thales. Ah, en français, très bien. So you're doing that, you've done your MBA, then you have a little bit of a moment at Deloitte. Yeah. What's what's that about? Tell me about that. So,
1: I ended up graduating, so I was nominated for a award for my MBA. Of course, for you my were. contribution to industry because my thesis was actually a strategy on how to implement or how to cap how to capitalize on corporate social responsibilities within the framework of the business plans.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And so for my contribution to industry, I was put up for an award. With the uh, Global Association of MBAs, and I ended up getting shortlisted in Student of the Year. So they Fantastic. said the first person, but under number one, so there was five of us. I was somewhere in there. The person who won was curing cancer, and I was making ships float. So I was completely okay with that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fair enough. But, you know, your ships could have been holding something that was taking them to help them cure cancer. Oh, exactly. let's never underestimate the contribution we're making to the world, right?
1: Not underestimate me. You know, you get what I mean. (laughs) The category I was in, I was like, do you take that award? (laughs) (laughs) Let me give it to you myself.
0: (laughs) Okay, so that's, but to be nominated is incredible anyway right everyone's a winner that's been nominated let's face it because it's such a huge scope of people
1: it's Uh, a one person from each school so it wasn't even in the course it was only one person allowed from each school in a business school to get nominated so out of all the people in the world that did mbas not were that was the and i got shortlisted into the top five and i was just like that's amazing well Mm -hmm. done you so don't worry if you don't go well in, in school and you don't know what you want to do because you could yes. end up, I think, when because I had a passion for it yes. by that time. I was like, no, I can help people. Yes. I can well, really this do is something the thing good. about
0: school, isn't it? School, we have to do all of these different subjects that we're not necessarily good at, right? Yeah. Um, but when we go to that later age of, of being able to study what we want to actually study, yeah, the passion kicks in and we're suddenly really good at it. And we achieve really, really well. And I think I think that's a really good message. Um, that school is not the be all and end all. You know, some of the kids in Australia, especially, they focus so much on that ATAR Um, yeah. and and how I mean, it's just a number, peeps. Let's yeah, let's all try and hard for it, and so on and so forth. But it is just a number, and there are so many pathways that you can take if you don't achieve what you wanted to the first time, next year, you know, the uni that you wanted to get into because you've done something else in the space or something like that, there's another pathway for you Absolutely. to get in, you know. So as I think that's a really important message you've mentioned there.
1: To put it into perspective, I think I got like 50 in my ATAR. Yeah, see. I and didn't get very, I didn't go to the best school. I didn't care about school. Um. Yeah, I just flicked about. Yeah. Rolled with the punches and.
0: But you've you've also shown a bit of a bit of courage and a bit of confidence in what you've put yourself out to to do, as well. Sometimes that can be really important versus the the numbers that you've achieved. You know what where do I, you think that came from?
1: If I so I've I talk to a lot of friends and I do a lot of mentoring, and I think where it comes from is not the fact that I'm looking for the next step. So when I was flicking around in my um, book of jobs. I never, I never even knew that I could be an engineer. Mm-hmm. I never knew that I could be uh, go to Copenhagen Business School. That wasn't even a thing for me. What I focused on was doing the best that I possibly could at that time. So I had to. My very first job was to clean out the compactus of all the drawings because some vessels had been decommissioned. Boy, did I clean that 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 compactus like nobody's ever seen before. Yes. Like I tidied everything, archived everything. Everything was perfect. It was never about for me that next what's next, it was always about focusing on what's now and just being the best that I can be. So the courage wasn't necessarily because I was looking for something else. It was like, okay, so this opportunity has been presented. Okay, I'll try to do that then.
0: Yes. Wow. So, okay, so entirely focusing on really being the very best you can at the moment in time has been the way that you've managed your career basically.
1: Yeah, and so many opportunities have come my way because of it.
0: Yeah, because they, they've seen that focus, that drive, that passion and gone, okay, this one's a good one. We've got to make the most of making her the best she can be as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Such a good attitude. Where do you think that attitude came from? No idea. I have no idea. Is it from your parents? Is it from your somebody, somebody you had as a mentor in your life? I came from a family where
1: women get married young. I wasn't encouraged to have an opinion. I don't come from that family. I don't come from a family of, um, like, school. My brothers aren't, I think my parents left, because they're immigrants. Yes. My parents left school at, like, 14 or something like that. It wasn't an encouraged thing. It was just something that was me. So it's almost
0: a rebellion. On your (laughs) baby, yeah. No, I will go to school. (laughs) No, I will be an engineer.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) that's interesting.
1: I've I've always been a seeker of knowledge. I think, yeah. And so, learning, I could do that. I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. And being open to other other cultures or other ideas or other thoughts, I do talk a lot, but I also am very receptive and I listen and I look at people's body language. Like, is that really what they mean? Are they okay? You know.
0: Ah, so you're curious. I'm curious. You're curious. Okay, because that is is often one of the, I mean, Richard Branson, for example, perfect example of an incredibly performing human being, right? And he is one of the most curious people in the world. So um, he constantly asks people questions and wants to know about their process and their, he won't assume he knows anything at any point he's fascinating guy to to get to get to understand so um maybe it's the curiosity and maybe
1: uh unpack psychology here on the yeah <laughs> yeah
0: on the boat princess podcast. <laughs> on the podcast um i'm listening <laughs> i should lie down on the on the couch <laughs> it's a Fraser moment right here. Yeah. <laughs> so all right so you've done the deloitte moment
1: it's a because of my MBA was how yeah. I got into Deloitte because they heard of me because they won the yard. Yes. And then they offered me a role.
0: And what that role was?
1: That role was I was an asset consult consultant, but I was the asset manager in Deloitte. So I was um, consulting on strategy in as in maritime assets.
0: Okay. Okay. So yeah. still in the maritime space, but with a completely different company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And more of a consulting as opposed to the doing.
0: Okay. All right. And how was working for Thales different to working for Deloitte? Were there some fundamental differences in those two corporations?
1: Large corporations are large corporations really. It was just the role that I was doing very differently. So I was no longer on the ground on a ship pointing, asking, moving, seeing things being fabricated in front of me. I was sitting behind a desk typing, writing really high-level strategic documents, and I struggled with that. Yeah. I didn't realize moving away from production or physically touching things, physically seeing things, was really going to affect me as much as it did. Okay. It was like,
0: yeah. So you like that hands-on yeah. approach? That's more you.
1: Well, I well found the as happy we talked medium, about the, with
0: the university, right, yeah. with the UTS, you like that hands-on approach.
1: I think it's because that's what makes sense in my mind. Yeah. This role I'm in now is the happy medium for me. So I've moved on from being in a dockyard, being in the Boilermaker shop. Yes. Or being on the dockside, looking at, watching a ship coming in, going, oh, your tank state's not right. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas you're like, go dip your tank. (laughs) And I'm not at that high level strategy where it's like, this is all pie in the sky. Is this going to work? Like, how do we prove that it's going to work to finding that medium point where I can create the strategy, but I can also see it being enacted.
0: Implemented. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, so because you were only at Deloitte for about a, about a year or something, yeah. but because of that, you just yeah. it, you just didn't wasn't gelling. Yeah, you wouldn't get, weren't you, the fire in the belly wasn't being being um, no. stoked up, as it were. It wasn't. Yeah,
1: I was spending a lot of time in Canberra, and I was like, "Where's the ship?
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> Should we not go see the ship?" <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of water in Canberra, no. a little lake in the middle, but that's about it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah So um then you came to be in your current role from Deloitte. How did that process how did that come about?
1: I was just asking questions so I know a lot of people in industry
0: mm-hmm.
1: who I am plus because I'm part of the Nautical Institute. My women in shipping stuff. I I know people. Yep. And I was like, I don't think that the consulting thing is right for me. But what would you recommend? And so I was asking for lots of advice as a seeker of knowledge. Yes. Go and ask for advice. What do you, What do people think? Yes. And this role was just in seek for two weeks. Apparently, like I didn't even know. It just I saw it and I just applied, thinking, "Yeah, oh, I'm never going to get it."
0: <laughs> See, but yes. hey, yeah, yeah, put
1: it out there. And when I was interviewed, I was I was actually told that from an asset management perspective, it wasn't the best, but it was my attitude that got me through. Aha! Yeah,
0: there we go. It's
1: my personality.
0: Yes. Yeah, you do have a wonderfully strong personality. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you. You are. It's very clear that you are not someone that steps backwards. You yeah, are, I try not to. Yeah, you. You are really. Um, well, why can't we do that? type person aren't you yeah 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 no don't don't give me the excuses of why we can't do something I, I want to do this and how can we do it am I right
1: I do or I ask how did you get to that point with like because I, I think about a lot about sustainability and continuous improvement making things it's not necessarily about making a human more efficient but you know the the painful processes how do we eliminate that yes so let's work to eliminate the painful processes and yeah. do things that we like yes instead of faffing around on purchase orders or whatever we're
0: is annoying yes make it simpler, make it more productive, make yeah. it yeah more efficient all those sorts of things.
1: So we can do the fun stuff.
0: yes yeah which of course teams are going to respond to that because you're you're, you're taking that approach of let's make this more fun, let's make this simpler make let's make this less barriers to entry. so um, teams love that right so some do. you as a leader do, do some have a problem with that because it's it's not process and it's not what they're used to and it's
1: more people who have been doing the same role for 20 years that it's a bit scary for them to change right and so change can be scary but it's about supporting the person through the change yep so there are some people who love it and there's some people who it's there's resistance because of the fear factor
0: yes yeah. Yeah. Cause it's always fear that stops us from doing something, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. And you, you don't seem to have a lot of that. Me,
0: not yeah. a lot of fear. Yeah.
1: Ah, probably. <laughs> I do. You know what I do though? I close my mind. You know how I said I just focus on the target, like yes. the goal. Yes. That's how I stop the fear. I just like, oh no, this is this is the best thing for the community or this is the best outcome that I need to achieve. And so I focus on that and I, it's not that I block out the fear, but docking ships and there's chaos around you, you have to be really um, calm because <laughs> as soon as the dock master starts running around the dock, I'm going, ah, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: you got a problem. Yes. <laughs> so you're just like remaining calm. Don't get me wrong, sometimes I snap. I'm like, come on, guys. But it's not always as controlled. But I do, I'm, I'm, it's not the, yeah, like I, I don't necessarily remove the fear i just step forward anyway because you know um someone earlier was talking about integrity like it's the right thing to do yeah or it's the it's not necessarily the right for community it could be right for the team well it would be right for everyone then right yeah but it's generally about what's the right thing to do yeah for me and that's how i can step forward through it example uh, putting um, greener technologies on our vessels. That's the right thing for the world. Yes. Regardless of what a human agrees with it or does not agree with it, it's the right thing to do, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's how I'm able to separate that emotion. Be like, okay, so if you can't do this yourself, what are you going to do to act, to enable this? Can you get someone to do it for you?
0: So you're very um, of very strong principles. Yes. Aren't you? Yeah.
1: Probably too strong sometimes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's amazing. That's so good. Um, now there is something you do outside of work as well, which is a bigger picture thing for the uh, the women in the industry, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that's called WISTA, which is the Women's International Shipping and Trading Association here in Australia. That's an international body, right? Yes, it is. And you're the president of the Australian division of that. Have yes, I got that right? that's correct. Yeah. So why did you get into that and, and what do you do in that? So
1: I was introduced to WISTA when I was actually in Copenhagen I got to go to Tromso. You know how cool it was to see reindeer? I know that's not what <laughs> you'd think women in shipping, right? But I got to go to a conference in Tromso. I thought that was like oh, the best that. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so I was introduced to Wister because it's much bigger in Europe overseas. And when I came back to Australia, I inquired about it. And there was a position in the committee, it was international comms officer. And I was like, well, you know me. I know everyone overseas. And I was still traveling between. Europe and Australia.
0: Yep.
1: So I was like, oh, I'll put my name down on this committee. I'll give it a go. See what see what this is all about. And that was my first seating. Excuse me. That lasted for two years. And then when the presidency position came up, I there was no one else that really wanted to do it, and I was like, you know what? I'll give it a go again. I I I had to convince myself to do it. Yeah. I had to be like, why do I want this? Why do I want to do this? And I wrote my I wrote a speech, but it was really like a thing to myself. Yes. That why I actually wanted to do that, and I realised that. So being in maritime, it hasn't all been great. Like it's been really tough times, and sometimes I felt really voiceless and alone. Especially in my early years. You know, I joined when I joined Talus. I was the only female in the engineering office, and there was a hundred men. Wow. And it was really difficult. Yeah, even just like even here, there are women around. But I go to the coffee shop, and the ladies put love hearts on my coffee cups, and it just like makes my day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's funny things. It's funny things we find really. You know, when I go to into a bathroom in a marina, and there's flowers in it. I, oh yeah, that's such a nice touch. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's the little things in life. <laughs> so. so let's delve into that a little bit with the difficulty you felt of being in such a male dominated space and it's it's not necessarily that just that particular space but um when you've got so many guys around there's just some little simple things that we um have to handle isn't there um there was when I first started so I wasn't
1: allowed to sit in a room by myself with the men. An administrator always had to sit with me, so I wasn't alone. Like even little things like that were really it made me awkward. Makes or, you feel different, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Or I used to wear. So we had overalls when I first started. White overalls, but they were men's overalls. And so, I, and they were because they were white. They used to go see through. And so I would have to wear clothes underneath my overalls and like be stuck in an engine room or something like that. Yeah. And it was it, all of my shoes were never right size because I'm a size six in women's, which is a size four in men's. And I know that because I used to have to go order men's because we had to wear PPE. Yeah. Or the glasses. So I had to do um, training where you go and save someone from a, a tank and the Akaba, so the face mask never fit me. <laughs> so then I couldn't finish the training because I could never get a face mask that fit me because I need a child face mask.
0: Wow, so it's just simple stuff, just uniforms and PPE and, yeah. and of being, and I know I know, in the sailing space, the, the girls in that space, I think they're only just getting now specialised sailing gear that is for females.
1: I used to wear, I used to buy Henry Lloyd wet weather gear yeah. because there was no female wet weather gear in PPE, but then I was towards when PPE became more strict and you had to start wearing reflective, orange reflective, it wasn't part of the the uniform. You couldn't wear it. And I was like, well, I don't want to get wet, but none of your clothes fit me, so we need to, tr- we need to have a payoff here. Yeah. Like, what, what am I wearing? Yes. Yeah.
0: Henry Lloyd, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> In major it ship the, operations it you're wearing Henry Lloyd. was the only one that fit me. Yeah, yeah. God love Henry Lloyd. Yeah. So other things that you've, you know, you know that feeling of you've got Loads and loads of guys in the same space and you you are, so you say there's 100 guys, one girl, um, oh, one who presents as female or however, however we're supposed to say it these days. I'm very uh, feminine. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Yeah. I love that about you. You've still got that lovely, very feminine look in your Appearance, Because sometimes we're in that male space. Some girls go in that other direction and dress like a guy just to feel more comfortable. I feel like you've almost done the opposite and gone, hello, I am female and I love that I'm female and I am expressing that in what I wear. Yep. So Or well,
1: when I wore a uniform, I had or my overalls. I, I used to get my nails done and have like pretty things on my nails. And if, if anyone ever saw me, you'd see my hair. My hair used to like pop out. <laughs> underneath my hard hat and I wouldn't sometimes I'd have to tie it up like get it underneath the hat but I'd let my curls just just be
0: yes
1: they just call me the paddle pop line they used to tease me a lot but yeah I just used to just let it be like what else was I going to do I couldn't be anyone else
0: yeah yeah it's great that you did that though
1: it's so good I never wanted to be one of the boys I just wanted to be accepted for who I was
0: and I think that's what we need to achieve we just need to be the same don't we yeah, it's, you know, it, uh, we, but we just needed, um, you know, clothes that fit us better,
1: <laughs> right?
0: Exactly.
1: I mean, it's getting better. Don't get me wrong; it is getting much better.
0: Oh, it's so much better. Yeah.
1: When I was so, I started at the yard when I was nineteen. It was not.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's it's a, it has culturally changed quite yeah. a bit since then, hasn't it? Already, which is fantastic, because that is down to the guys making an effort to do so. So. Um, uh, that's that's really really good that that all those changes have have happened um now you're you're now at maritime and you're in this space and you're working with a whole bunch of new people here what support and and um I guess encouragement have you received here that has you've noticed noticed a difference here
1: about being a woman and being woman yeah. supported yeah yeah so I was mentioning earlier that I was asked to speak about barriers for women in the industry uh, to the maritime team and I said to the executive director, I go, mm, I don't think that what you think my answer is going to be is going to be my answer. And I told him what the answer, what my answer was and he let me say it anyway. He actually encouraged me to say it. Yeah. And I I never had that before because a lot of the time if I'd say, that person's done something or they've made me highly uncomfortable or they've done this, it would be like, oh, don't make a noise. Come on, shh. Yeah. (laughs) Shh. Yeah. They're the customer. You know, I remember getting there was a commercial vessel and I was standing on the dockside and I asked the, he was the ship, he was the ship manager and I asked him to to go on the other side of the fence because the lines were coming and I didn't want him to get hit. Anyway, he absolutely screamed at me. And he was, so I'm five foot one, he was like six foot something and he stood over me and just yelled and the operations person was standing, the senior operations person was standing not far from me and he just went, go wipe your eyes. As I turned around and burst into tears and he was like, go wipe your eyes and come back out. He didn't say to the guy that's not acceptable. Yeah. He just was like, customers always first. But here if I've actually gone and said, Hey, I need some help. I don't like we have a policy. We're not allowed to go out to sight by ourselves. At um, that wasn't always the case for me. And that gives me a bit of comfort when I do go out and meet strangers. Yeah. It's not uncommon. I gotta go out sticks to some white lighthouse. Yes. In the middle of nowhere. That if I just have someone with me, it just ensures my safety. Yeah. It's not that I was ever put in a position where I was extremely unsafe. There was always security and everything around the island, but it's just that little bit of support. You're not going somewhere alone. Yes. Being that alone feeling is a horrible feeling.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Cuz yeah. when you're
1: standing there and getting yelled at, yeah. And nobody does anything, that's alone. Yes. Regardless of the 20, 30 people that were standing around me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that put per- that uh, your manager should have stepped in and said yeah. that's totally inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you're a guy or a girl and that that's something they didn't do. Yeah.
1: So I was on a on a cruise ship once and mm-hmm. a officer came towards me to say hello and he went to kiss me and I was like oh excuse me no thank you and the guy that was with me didn't say anything he goes does that happen often and I was like well it shouldn't why didn't you step in and be like mate what are you doing yeah but it's the it's you have to stick up for yourself and then when the others don't stick up for you is what really makes you feel alone and voiceless. Yes. Because you're like, if you can't see that this is a problem, but here I don't have that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were talking earlier to um, your senior officer about um, uh, I did an interview with Nicole the other day from um, Transport Maritime, and she was talking about how wonderful this department was when, um, and in fact her, the same guy that we're talking about here, um, he didn't see her being a pregnant when she applied for the job as an, an issue. Yeah. And his position is that that needs to be the case. It shouldn't be an issue. Um, and the fact that women women will always take the approach that they they, they think it's going to be an issue, um, but in, that needs to change and that's that's one of the fundamentals that we need to change. So when you were asked to present about... You know what? What barriers have you felt in in the maritime space as a woman? It wasn't the pregnancy. It wasn't the um, it wasn't the, the the things they were expecting you to talk about. It was actually the issues you've had with the behaviour of uh, the men in that space, and and that that it was inappropriate.
1: Absolutely, yeah. The inappropriateness, and then the telling someone this has happened, or like being witness to something that's happened, and they still just Uh, let's not cause drama.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: I was telling someone the other day for a very long time, I had to share a change room with a man. And we had this door knocking code that like, if you, you were allowed to be in the between six and seven, and I would be in there after seven, but we'd have like a secret knock and mean, like, let me just explain this to you. You had to walk through the female toilet to get to the change room in the first place. And at the time I was so naive. I didn't, I just thought, oh, this guy's senior to me. I don't really have a choice. Whereas that would never happen here. Yeah. What do you if a man was walking through the female change room, they'd be like, "What do you think you're doing?"
0: Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and and that so that's not only just the the place, it's also the time as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because things are changing, which is great. So, Wister, Wister, what is your goal in that in that position as president of Worcester for Australia what what's your vision for that
1: my vision is to help women just it's the equality part for me I I just I worry that so there's that statistic that women won't be considered equal for until 100 years but then it got pushed out to 200 and I'm like whoa this is problematic for me yes because if 200 years, that's not even my nieces' and nephews' generation. It's not even my next generation. Yeah. And that scares me. Yeah. Because I'm like, what are the, what are other women going through? Because I I stayed at Garden Island for so long. I, I've, a lot of the reason what kept me in the industry was I didn't want people to feel alone. I didn't want people to go through the stuff that I went through and then be voiceless about it, at least if I'm there, I'm present, that I've been around a number of years and I'm just – can have a rant, <laughs> <laughs> or I can hug and support and console. Yes, I can do that. And with Wister, I have a big piece on. We have networking and education is a big thing for me. So I like everyone to have the same educational opportunities. Yes, even it doesn't matter what you're. Even if you're a man, woman, whatever you identify as, it doesn't really matter. And I think getting us on the same playing field is what's really essential. And so I'm just education, networking, introducing people, just doing something as opposed to doing nothing. Yes. That's my goal with Wister. Yeah. Myself and the VP, we're creating a strategy which will go out to the team to to, to um, have a look at. Yeah, it's just trying to create governance and strategy within the organisation because, you know, if you don't have a plan, where are you heading? But it's how we're going to do that. It's not just so we know that we want to. So networking, for example, it's really common that organizations have drinks. Let's all get together and have a drink. Yeah. I want a networking. Let's have a joint networking with a port. Meet people. Introduce yourself to people. What skills are out there? Uh, I am I get to work with some pretty senior people in government. If someone's written a, a document or, you know, a paper, let me take that for you. Let me take that. Let me show somebody. Yeah. I can show I can I can find my way in a door and show somebody. yeah. let's let's highlight what all the all the good work people who identify as women are doing because I'm trying to change the narrative of well as well. We're not professional women. We're just professionals who happen to be women. Yes. yes. And it, I'm trying to change that because every time, you know, I don't want to be the diversity card. No, why am I the diversity card? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Because no, like I was sitting in a in a meeting uh, in Canberra, and I asked someone. I was they were talking about ship repair, and I was like, "Well, actually, I know if been a been a bit about ship repair. Can I, can I, um, can I read that and like I'll I'll give you some feedback on it?" And the person was so excited that I wanted to be involved in this ship repair problem. And they were like yes please get involved in whatever you want if you know any professionals that know this stuff like we're happy to include them and i loved that because yeah. it changed the narrative i was there to talk about ship repair i wasn't there to be the woman
0: yes yeah yeah we, we um i think it's so satisfying when people take the approach that we're, we're, there, we're at the table because of our ability not with that we're at the table because we're a diverse version yeah. of what needs to be, you know, the standard numbers in a board need to be, including women at this stage and blah, blah, blah. I don't really like that. No, I, no. I like, I like that, you know, that we're there because of our ability and of our um, our work ethic and our approach and our attitude. That's why we're there, you know?
1: Yeah. One of my friends said to me the other day, she was asking me about, so people, you know, know who I am and what I do, but she was asking me some like real detailed questions she said do you realize that nobody handed you anything everything that you worked to get to where you are she goes how often does that happen and I was like well people did help me along the way you know it's important to recognize the the shovelongs yes like the CEO
0: yes that was a good shovel yeah he was male yeah. yeah
1: but I do get the point as well that a lot of women, They build everything. Like my family didn't. I didn't come from a wealthy family. I come from villages. Yes. I don't come from an educated family. Didn't even know. Okay, so this is my brother, right? Love (laughs) him to bits. But he's very old school. Yeah. And he said to me, you know this women thing you do, what do you do, like go to parliament and burn bras? (laughs) I was like, (laughs) well, no, but if that's what you think we do, like, He was supportive, if that's what I was doing, in a very in a, backward way. In a very backward way, like yeah. he wanted to know more about it, but he was very confused. You know, that's that's a really good example of what my family. Can- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting how, I guess, for some guys that don't, just just like those of us who are white that don't understand the um, uh, discrimination that those who aren't white receive and how it feels, I guess for guys they don't understand sometimes what being a female feels like and, no. and that's why we need to help them understand it, don't we? Because they, they, they're they not females so they, they're like, oh, I kind of don't get it, can you help me here sort of thing. So... Um, yeah, that's a really interesting <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. moment you had with your brother there.
1: <laughs> At least he asked me for more yes. information. I mean that's a step, progressive step <laughs>
0: forward for him. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But, yeah, it, it is interesting that, um, that sometimes we do get some amazing opportunities presented to us because we are um, female and people kind of don't expect us to say something. You know, they don't expect me to um, understand um, the design of a boat in relation to its maintenance or whatever. and, and they um, they then sort of give you that look, don't they? Oh, oh, hang on, She knows what she's talking about. That's, that's a bit exciting. okay, let, let's let's ask her. <laughs> so
1: funny example that happened the other day. I was there was myself, the fleet manager, and another person. And I was leading a conversation about trailers. And this other person decides to talk to the fleet manager and I just, you know, because you're so used to it. <laughs> i just like, whatever, mate. Okay, I'm just like listening to your information. And then after we left, the other guy, the fleet manager goes, did you notice that he was talking to me, not you? And I go, yeah, but it, it happens so often you just kind of like go with it. And he goes, but I know that you knew the answers. Why didn't you challenge him? I was like, I challenged him sometimes, but he really wasn't ready for it. Yeah. So it's not always about.
0: But I love that he said that. Yeah. Why didn't you challenge him? I love that he said that.
1: He 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 wants his he, he always tells me, he's like, I want my daughter to be just like you. She really wants to meet you. And I'm like, oh, please, I'm happy to meet her.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. See, that's the kind of guys that um, are fantastic, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. Well, it has been so much fun talking to you today.
1: It's been fun being here. Sorry, everyone, I waffle.
0: <laughs> she doesn't waffle. She doesn't waffle, does she? You enjoyed that, I've got didn't a lot you? To say. <laughs> is there, on that note, is there anything you want to say about women out there that potentially are looking at getting into this industry in some way? What would you like to say to them?
1: I'd like to say that. I am available if you ever need to reach out and you need advice or you need guidance or you need help. Please, please know that I am here for everyone in the world, and there are a lot of good people out there that are willing to support you if you do need it, um, or just need someone to bounce ideas off. I would also say that it's a really good industry. Like, I've, you know, I started when I was nineteen, and I love it. Like, you should see the goofy look on my face when I'm outside by the water. just I just I was riding my I ride my bike around Blackwater Bay when I come to work sometimes and I just have this goofy look on my face all the time because I love it and everyone that I know in industry loves it too yeah it's really rare that people don't love it and the people who leave they have external forces they have to leave it's not it's not usually a purposeful thing yes so if you are considering a, a, a career in maritime or even a job in maritime give it a go Just give it a go. Yeah. And there's so many people out there that are willing to support. I know so many great people in this industry.
0: It's just it's the best. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. (gasps) Thank you so much for talking to us, Monica. Thank you. Um, We shall have to get you at some. Oh, with the Wister, how do people join Wister? There is a Wister
1: Australia website google Worcester Australia and you'll see the sign up okay so or you can reach out to me if you're looking if you can't find it
0: okay brilliant so it's W-I-S-T-A yes Australia wonderful
1: actually you can if you just put Wista in W-I-S-T-A you'll still get to the international site so and then you just filter through
0: to Australia okay fantastic yeah thanks so much thank you so thanks for listening everybody we hope you've enjoyed this episode it was certainly entertaining for me to talk to monica and i wish you could see her smile it's goofy I smile. i really you? wish you could see her smile because it's a really good smile
1: <laughs> that's what my face
0: looks like <laughs> so we'll we'll try and get that smile in the photo for you guys okay um you take care everyone and we shall see you on the water soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Boat Princess podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you'd like to know more about what I do and where I am, then you can follow me on Instagram at The Boat Princess. You can also sign up to my newsletter on my website, which is theboatprincess.com. Take care of yourselves, everyone, and hopefully we'll see you on the water soon.